0: Grace abounds in deepest Oh, well, that was embarrassing. Someone over there waved at somebody and I thought they were waving at me. So I'm like, hey, how's it going? Oh, you ever do that? Think someone's waving, you're know, like, hey, and there was one motion, try to do that here. Well, at least not everybody was looking at me at once. So hey, life has seasons. That's kind of about the season we're in. Life has seasons. We know that in nature. We're in fall, but sometimes it decides to go back to summer and then back to fall and But life has seasons, and we expect seasons to change. Sports has seasons. We're in football season. Baseball season's winding down. Hockey season, the NHL has reported for training camp. Thanks for humoring me. (laughs) Sports have seasons. TV shows have seasons. Retail has seasons. You walk in, and retail knows, oh, it's this season. Let's prepare for Christmas, which could be in July. But they decide, hey, now's the time to prepare for this next retail season. Um, we just know that's how life works. Well, your life has seasons too. It has seasons of school and seasons of jobs, seasons of health, seasons of finances. You have, fin- you have family seasons. Families go through seasons with, with parenting, with marriage. Jobs go through seasons in terms of up and down and changing careers. Your health goes through seasons. Ages go through seasons. Our faith grows through seasons. For whatever reason, God decided seasons will be a part of life. And we want to help you make sense of the current season of life that you're in so you can make the most of every season of life you'll experience. Solomon, who is King David's son, we read about in the Old Testament, he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, and he's very wise, and he said this. This was his observation. For everything, there is a season. And a time for every activity under heaven. Wherever you are right now in life, it's a season. And it has purpose. It fits somewhere. Even though it's hard for us sometimes to make sense of that. And so the reason uh, I kind of want to keep asking this question is I think it really helps you. What season are you in? And last week I challenged you to name it, to navigate it. Even go as far as to write it down on something. Like for me, I'm in a season of questions. I've got some questions. So what season are you in right now? Because when you name it, it helps you navigate it, but it's very difficult to do that. It's hard to do because seasons are unpredictable. They're uncontrollable. Sometimes you would look back and go, I thought it was a season of this, but actually it was a season of that. And sometimes, and some of you even said this to me, I feel like I'm in multiple seasons right now. Yeah, that happens. Because a lot of times there's different aspects to our life and we have stuff going on at work or at school and then we have stuff going on with relationships and stuff with our finances and our health. And so one season could be in one place and another season another place and we're kind of caught in this vortex of swirling seasons. But still, the more you can understand the different seasons you're in or the season you're in, it's hard to do, but it's helpful to do. And today I want to talk about a season that is really common, which is a season of waiting. And some of you, you're in a season of waiting. Even if you might call, I'm in a season of struggle, or I'm a season of growth, or I'm a season of celebration, or I'm in a season of pain, I'm in a season of grief, I'm in a season of loss, whatever it is, you might be in a season of waiting, waiting for that season to change. Even if it's a good season, you know that that season will change at some point. Life has seasons, and seasons change. Well, waiting is hard. If you're in a season of waiting, waiting is hard. So how do you navigate that? In Proverbs, Proverbs 13, 12, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. When we're hopeful for something and it's not there yet, Proverbs says it can make the heart sick. So how do you navigate seasons of waiting? How do you avoid the heart becoming sick? Some questions to think about is, how do you respond when you experience delays? when you experience a season of waiting, how do you respond with disappointments or difficulty? Delays, like does that derail you? It doesn't have to. And I want to give us a role model today of looking at it. how do you navigate a season of waiting, of what might make the difference. It might be the tipping point of a season of waiting being something that makes the heart sick or gives the heart hope. In the Old Testament, there's this guy named Joseph. And I say the Old Testament because there's a lot of Josephs in the Bible. If you don't have a program, you might not know who, who's who in the Bible. And, and so Joseph in the Old Testament, you might know him if you've ever heard the story. He had a coat of many colors. And he looked a lot like Donny Osmond. I, I, apparently, like that's a theater shout out to anybody, my wife. And like, like, there's that. Like He's in the Old Testament. And then you have Joseph, who was the earthly father of Jesus. And then you had Joseph of Arimathea, who Jesus was buried in his tomb. And then you have Joseph, whose real name was Barnabas. His real name was Joseph, but he got the nickname Barnabas, probably because there were so many Josephs in the Bible. But Joseph in the Old Testament, we get to read a lot of his story. And if you were being told his story, and you didn't know it was in the Bible, but you thought it was a friend of yours, you would be really sad for your friend. You would think it's a heartbreaking story. Because Joseph, and you can read about it like in Genesis 37. Genesis 38 is kind of a little detour from the story. I'm not really sure why it's there. It's kind of... An interesting chapter, but then Genesis 37 and then 39 through the end of Genesis, it tells Joseph's story. And early on, he was he had brothers. I'm an only child, which explains a lot, but I had an only child. I'm an only child. I never had to deal with sibling rivalry or anything like that, but his was pretty intense. He wasn't the oldest and he wasn't the youngest, but he was more younger than older and his brothers, and they did not like him. He was favored by their dad, and he also, like, he got this special coat of many colors because dad... Wanted to do that. I don't know if he ever gave goats to his other kids. Um, he had this ability to hear, see, hear a, have a dream and God help him interpret it and know what it meant, that it was insightful into life and faith. And sometimes it gave him insight about his brothers and his br- brothers didn't like him sharing what he learned about the dreams, especially when he said, one day uh, I've got a dream that you guys are all gonna bow down to me. Now I don't have a brother, but I don't think that would play well with me but I don't have a brother and I don't think I would do this to them one day to decide, I'm kind of frustrated with my, our little brother. Let's kill him. And then one of the brothers, out of compassion, said, no, let's not kill him. Let's just sell him into slavery and tell our daddy's dead. That's the compassionate moment. Let's not kill him. Let's throw him in a pit and sell him. Sure enough, these people come by, these slave traders, they sell their brother into slavery and he's taken off from his homeland into another place where he becomes a slave brothers go back and tell their dad hey your your favorite son is dead here's his coat they put animal blood on it so his dad's heart's breaking joseph is now living living in slavery and but he gets a pretty good assignment here's the upside <laughs> well at least you're got a good job in slavery he ends up working in this guy named potiphar's house and Potiphar, he was the chief guard for the Egyptian king. He was the chief in terms of all security in the guard. As Joseph's there, four times it makes a statement about Joseph. The Lord was with him. Four times it says, as he's in slavery... Taken from his family, the Lord was with Joseph. It was so obvious that the guy, Potiphar, who put him, had him as a slave, saw that the Lord was with him, even though he didn't believe in the Lord, and he saw that everything that Joseph touched seemed to be favored by God. This recurring theme, the Lord was with Joseph. But if you read what was going on in his circumstances, it sure wouldn't seem like it. And then one day, Potiphar's wife starts making advances on Joseph. And he says, no, how can I do that? I'm serving the lead head of this household, your husband. Remember him? I can't do that. And so he refused. It's an amazing choice. But in all fairness, we don't know what she looked like. So anyway, let's let us out of the story. Like we know Joseph was very handsome and a young man. It never tells us anything about her. So I, I anyway, I'm gonna. I if you have, I'm sorry, I apologize. If you have any complaints, please email mark.porter at live-oak.org. <laughs> and and um he leaves and she lies about him. He does the right thing, and she says he does the wrong thing. She grabs his coat as he's leaving, and coat's apparently are a big player in Joseph's story, and and He leaves and she says, look, your servant, your guy, tried to take advantage of me. What are you going to do about it? And what he was going to do about it is he threw Joseph in prison. So you think it's bad if you're a slave in a foreign country. Now you're a slave who's also a prisoner. And it tells us again, the Lord is with him. And it says this in verse 20, as he's lied about, falsely accused, Already sold into slavery. By the way, this has been over a decade since his brothers tossed him in a pit and out of an act of compassion said, let's not kill him. Let's sell him as a slave. He would have already been back to his 10-year reunion. That's past. And he's living in this foreign country and now finds himself in prison. Verse 20 of Genesis 39. While Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him he showed kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Now for me, if that last phrase, this is just kind of how my mind works, I'm thinking, if the Lord gave him success in whatever he did, why didn't he try to escape? (laughs) Like, you're in prison. Like, Shawshank it. Start digging in the wall and get a poster of, I don't know, Cleopatra and put it on the wall where you can hide the hole and then one day sneak out and escape if you're successful, whatever you did. Why did he stay? Because he was convinced the Lord was with him. And if the Lord's with him, the Lord must have purpose in that place. Like, if that's me in that story, I'm looking at what's happening around me and go, I don't know if God's with me. I don't know if there's any purpose in this. And again, if this was the story, if some friend of yours shared a story about this on social media and you heard about this family and the loss of their son and he was sold into slavery and then falsely accused and lied about and put in prison, he's been missing for over a decade and he's in a prison, but nobody knows where. You would be heartbroken. But Joseph was convinced that the Lord was with him. So much so that whatever was in front of him, he said, this is the season I'm in. And there's purpose here. Sometime later, it says. Next verse, sometime later. The problem is when you read the Bible, sometimes you turn a page and you turn a decade. Here it's three words, and we don't know how long sometime later is. Waiting is hard. Especially if you don't know when the wait will be over. It makes the wait feel even longer. When we were in the Congo meeting our kids for the first time and we went back to get them and we were told it'd be about a week for us to get our um, U.S. visa and then our exit letter from the Congo to bring our kids home. Uh, And this was about five years ago. Five years ago? About five years ago. We showed up, packed for a week, ready for a week, braced for a week in another country. Five weeks later, (laughs) we come home and it, it was five weeks, and I can count how long five weeks is on calendar, but it felt so much longer because every day we thought this could be the day and every day wasn't the day, and we're just waiting. Waiting is hard, especially when something is unresolved. When things are unknown, it's hard to wait, and one of the reasons I like that the Bible has timelines is sometimes you realize waiting seems to be a common theme in a lot of people's story. Everybody has seasons of waiting, and it's almost as if it's part of God's process. For whatever reason, waiting is a common theme, but waiting is hard. And when you have a timeline, like that's why I like a study Bible. I use the Life Application Bible because sometimes you can go, well, how long was that? And you start adding up the years on Joseph's life. And you go, he spent a lot of time waiting. We know the highlights. But man, there were some lowlights lights. And the challenge is in waiting, when you don't know the details, you tend to fill them in yourself. We, we do that with each other. If, if, if I don't know the details about us and if we have any kind of a, a conflict or anything going on, I start filling in the details myself. Have you ever had an argument with somebody without really having an argument, but you had it in your head? I said this, then they said this. So I said this, then they said this. And you're like, why are you yelling at yourself? Like you're Like no one said anything here except in your head, but you're filling in the details. Bob Newhart one time tells a story about, I love this story, I, his wife uh, one day just slugged him as he was sleeping, and he woke up and goes, what's wrong? She said, I had this dream where you were at a party, and you were flirt, flirting with these, this girl. He goes, it was a dream. He goes, yeah, but it just sounds like something you would do. Like she, fil- <laughs> she filled in the details, right? She filled in the details. Because that's what we do. Our minds are so creative and so if I don't see God at work, I start writing a story. He doesn't care. He doesn't know. He's forgotten about me. He's punishing me. Be very careful about what details you write when you don't know the details. That's why waiting is hard. And when you don't know what God's doing, you assume he forgot you. And this waiting, it just feels like wasted time. Like, my story is still being told, but I'm wasting time here. Like, I'm ready, Like it's time, what's going on? I'm waiting, it's wasted, wasted, wasted time. Waiting time is never wasted time. In fact, waiting is actually an act of worship because I trust that God is working even when I don't see the evidence. I trust that he's doing something and God will use it for his good purpose. Well, Joseph ends up showing up with these guys, the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt. And so what they did, the cupbearer is the guy that kind of managed his his drink, and like manage that no one tampered with it. It's the good stuff, not the bad stuff, and it's not the poison stuff. So he's like right there, and he's got the the king's ear all the time. And then the baker, I mean, he makes the cookies. He's got to be important, right? And the bread, like apparently even in Egypt, cookies and bread are important. And these two guys have a falling out with the king. We don't know why, but Pharaoh says, send him to prison. They go to prison and they meet Joseph. Joseph's in charge of everything in the prison. How the warden pulled that off and said, you're the warden, you're in charge of the prison. I'll put the prisoner in charge of the prison. What could go wrong? But he put Joseph in charge and he's there in charge. And these guys show up. Then it says this in verse four, after they've been there a while, after they've been in custody for some time, again, time passes. Waiting is hard. It's easy when it's only three, sentence, three words in a sentence. We don't know how long it was. And they're there and one day they show up to breakfast and Joseph sees that they're kind of down. And he actually cares. Like that's the deal. It's like when your life's not going well for you, I don't care about your story. I'm mad about mine. But Joseph is dialed in and goes, hey, what's wrong with you guys? And they said, well, we, one guy, the cupbearer, says I, I had a dream last night. I don't know what it means. No one can interpret for me. But, and Joseph says, well, I don't know what it means, but God does, and he'll tell me. He goes, all right, I'll take a shot. And he tells him the dream. He goes, here's what your dream means. Cupbearer, in three days, you're going to be back in your old job, handing him your Route 44 Dr. Peppers, and, and he'll be happy, and everything will be good with you and Pharaoh. And the baker goes, I like this. What's my dream mean? And he says, here's my dream. And Joseph goes, in three days, they will send for you, they're going to cut off your head and peel you on a stick, and birds will eat your body as, as you die. Can I have his dream? Like, I, I make, can, never mind. Like, if, since you told me now it happens, or if it was it going to happen anyway? Like, whatever. But he goes, those are the dreams. And in three days, it happens exactly as Joseph said, which is good news for the cupbearer, not so good news for the, for the, for the uh, baker. But one day, as Joseph tells the cupbearer the story, he says, hey, says this in verse 14. When all goes well with you, not if, when it does, remember me. Just remember that I'm here. Show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh. Get me out of this prison. Like he defines his reality. Like I don't want to be here. But, and if this is my out, like, would you remember me? Like, maybe this is my chance. And then he tells the previous part of his story. I was forcibly carried off from the land of Hebrews. And even here, as a slave, he he says, I've done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. He defines reality. It's okay to name the season you're in. Call it what it is. But let God write the rest of the story, and that's what Joseph does. And there's this next thing that happens. One day, Pharaoh has his birthday party. And he has this dream. Two years later, he has this dream. Like, this is the chance. Like, this is what he's looking for. This is what he was waiting for. Remember me if you get out. He's out. He has the birthday party. He brings the guy in. It all worked according to plan. He had, he had one job. Remember me. The chief cupbearer is out, and this is what it says next. This is one of the saddest verses. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. I don't know if word gets back to Joseph. Like this is like just remember me if it goes well for you. It goes well for him. Doesn't go well for the baker. Goes well for the cupbearer. He's out, and he forgets Joseph. He forgets him. I don't know if it gets back to him, and he's discouraged, or eventually he realized, well, he's out, and I'm still here. Two years passes. Two years. Think of where you were two years ago, and being waiting in a dungeon for that long. He's waiting two years. And then one day Pharaoh has a dream and he's like, oh yeah, I I know a guy who can interpret that for you. Two years, he forgets him. But one day he does remember. The Cupbearer says, Pharaoh, I know a guy. He's a prisoner. So he sends for him, he brings him in. Pharaoh tells him his dream. And he goes, I know exactly what that means because God told me. I can't do it, but God can. That's a bold move. If you're telling somebody who doesn't believe in God that I can't do it, but God can, it's a bold move. He says, God God can tell me, what's your dream? He tells him the dream. He goes, I know exactly what that means. What God is telling you is that there's gonna be a season of plenty. And our, your job in that season is to store as much as you can. Then there's gonna be a season of famine. And you're gonna need what you save in that season of plenty. So he says, okay. Pharaoh says, Joseph, you're in charge. Manage this. So Joseph goes from, from young, younger brother in the family to slave, falsely accused, to prisoner, in charge of the prison, waiting, waiting, waiting. Finally, now he's elevated this position of leadership in Egypt. He could have forgotten that God was with him. He could have forgotten that God had purpose. He could have forgotten so much. But he believed something to be true. Even though he was forgotten by the cupbearer, he did not believe he was forgotten by God. And you aren't either. And as he goes on this roller coaster ride of circumstances, it doesn't seem to take his faith for a ride. He's stable in this belief. When, you, when circumstances around you delay hope, when circumstances around you are difficult, we tend to think, well, God has forgotten me. Elizabeth Elizabeth Elliot said it this way, the secret is Christ in me, not me in a different set of circumstances. And the reason some of our hearts are sick is we're thinking, I wish I was just in a different set of circumstances. It didn't work that way for Joseph. Instead, he made a choice. His hope was in God, not in his circumstances. And the choice for us is, my hope is in Christ, not in my circumstances. Joseph believed he was not forgotten. Even when he was forgotten by people, he did not believe he was forgotten by God. And what I love is, and this is the thing you have to connect the dots on, or the heart becomes sick because hope is deferred. The same God that was with Joseph is the same God that is with you. It's the same God, it's not a different one. You don't get like an intern God that comes and helps you out. He he doesn't outsource it. Like the same God that says, when he says, I am with you, it's the same God. And Joseph believed that. Even when the circumstances told him it might not be true. He didn't write a different story. Micah 7.7 says this, But as for me, I watch and hope for the Lord. I I wait for God my Savior. My God will hear me. There's something about you can be in a season of waiting and hope isn't deferred. That hope is present, even when you're waiting. It comes down to a choice. As for me, not everybody makes that choice, but as for me, I will watch and hope. For the Lord, I wait for God my Savior, for his timing, for his purposes, for his plan. And a major takeaway from Joseph's story is he believed through all these ups and downs, even when people are forgetting him, even when people are selling him into slavery, even when people are falsely accusing him, he just said, God's got it. He's, He's in this. And Joseph had lots of seasons of waiting. But what he believed is that while he was waiting, God was working. Do you believe that? That while you are waiting, in a season of waiting, God is working. Joseph believed that. And the rest of the story is at that point, Pharaoh says, You're in charge, and he's there. And then, sure enough, the dream happens just as God said it would. That he told Joseph, and Joseph told everybody else, and then it played out. And Joseph's plan played out. And the rest of the world, after a while, is suffering in famine. And they're looking to Egypt to be the source of food. And Joseph has managed it so well because of the insight God gave that they're able to help others beyond their borders, including Joseph's family and his brothers come rolling to town. And if it were my story, it might roll out a little bit different because be like, now you're going to get it. Ha-ha, it's me. Rip off your Pharaoh clothes and Egyptian clothes and all that stuff. But they walked in. They didn't recognize it was Joseph. I mean, he looked like an Egyptian, he walked like an Egyptian, he talked like an Egyptian, he he looked. Hey, you try giving a talk every week, it's hard. The jokes are hard. They don't recognize him. They don't recognize him. But Joseph recognizes them. And, And think about what your response would be in that moment but he believed God was working. Even in that, there was purpose there. I can end up saving my family, my family that wanted to hurt me. I can help my dad. I can help my younger brother. I can help others. And by the way, if you've ever wondered how the Israelites ended up in Egypt as slaves, this is where it started. Famine. Joseph brings them to Egypt, and they start multiplying and multiplying and multiplying, and then it became an issue. And that's where Exodus picks up where the Israelites are slaves in Egypt. And imagine then they're thinking, what is God doing? But God has a plan through all of it. And Joseph recognized that God was working. And he has this insight that instead of saying, why I oughta, or I'm gonna, or get out of here, you're ridiculous, bring my dad, my little brother, the rest of you, I don't care. Instead of doing that, he has the presence of mind, the presence of faith, in the presence of God in the moment, in that moment to realize this. Genesis 50, 20. It's kind of the, the climax of his story you intended to harm me but god intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives we think that our season and our story is just about us but in that moment joseph realized this was never just about me it was about god and his purposes and now this is having global implications that also includes my family and also includes me. And because he knew that God was with him, that he was doing something big through his story, something on purpose. And what God does in you and through you often has a rippling effect to those around you. So I don't know what season you're in, but at some point, you will be in a season of waiting. And as you wait, understand that while you're waiting, God is working. Micah 7, 7, This is what it said. But as for me, I watch and hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. Waiting is hard. But if you have hope in Christ and what he's doing, the problem, this is where we get thrown off. I look at my circumstances um, a certain way. I see what's going on in front of me, and that's typically all I can see. And if that becomes the lens of what I, how I see God, I will never see God clearly. I will doubt, I will struggle. I go, God obviously doesn't care. If Joseph had just said and looked at God through the lens of slavery, abandonment, abuse, false accusations, being forgotten, his view of God would have reflected that. But when he saw God clearly, he saw everything else for what it is. Something per- purposeful in the hands of God. But it's still very hard to wait. And waiting seems to be part of God's process. Don't undervalue what God is doing in you and what He could do through you in His story as you wait while He works. But there's a warning here hope deferred makes the heart sick. Where is your hope? Is your hope in you in a different set of circumstances? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. That will make the heart sick. But hope in this never-changing, rock-solid, I promise that Jesus has promised, I am with you. And the same God that was with Joseph is the same God that wants to be with you. When you look to that and you use that truth to interpret everything going on around you, it changes the way you live because you choose to watch and hope and wait for God's timing and purposes. And realize that waiting time is never wasted time. Let's stand for closing prayer. I encourage you to put a name on what season you're in. Again, name it to navigate it. But understand that no matter what name we put on it, God has a purpose for it. And next week we're going to talk about what do you do while you're waiting. It's not just sitting here treading water. There's actually something you can actively do and engage in. And some questions you can ask during that season to make a most even of a season of waiting. God, thanks that you love us and you've promised not just to send us hope and send us help, but to be that for us by being present with us. The most common promise you make us in the Bible is I will be with you. And the only question is, will we choose to be with you? Will we put you as the focal point of our hope? And some of us are in season of pain. Thank you that you care. Thanks that you can promise to be with us in the middle of that, not just on the other side of it that you can bring provision and comfort and strength in the midst of our struggles. We need that. God, for whatever season we're in, we know that you have purpose. That's what you tell us. And we know that you're with us. That's what you promise us. So we take you up on that, and we will live today believing that to be true. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for being here. If you'd like to talk, I'll be down at the front.